Welcome. The following is an interview with Brent Metz, the author of Unforgivable Sins. Brent was in the U.S. military for 11 years before he was medically discharged and decided to pursue his love of storytelling. In addition to Unforgivable Sins, he's written a children's book, Princess Jaslyn and Her Dragon. He currently has a follow-up to Unforgivable Sins in the works. If you'd like to support the author, wait till the end of the video to find out how. Enjoy! Welcome to Author Audit, the show where you get a peek into the creative process and minds of your favorite writer. Today, our special guest is Brent Metz, and he is the author of uh, Unfavorable Sins. All right, wonderful. Thank you for coming on today. Well, thank you for having me. Would you mind introducing yourself to the audience? Okay, um, my name is Brent Metz. I'm, like I said, the author of Unforgivable Sins. Um, it's a book that I've written off and on for the last i guess two years but uh actually just put it into actual type up in the last uh year and a half so i basically just uh when i typed as i went i wasn't uh pre-written it was you know basically just uh off the flow of my brain you know flow of my brain type one how it went type thing just Created new chain, you know, trotted it down little by little, and then created. Mm -hmm. so. Wonderful, thank you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and where you come from, and what led you to want to write that book? Um, I was, you know, I was born in Illinois, raised in all over Texas and Arizona. I was an Air Force brat, and um, I joined uh, the Army. I spent most of the time in San Angelo, Texas, where I joined the Army, and I spent eleven years in the Army, and that was originally. The idea for the book came because I was basically saw how bad people got away with a lot of things. And they said, oh, they'll get theirs in the end. You know, and, you know, eventually they'll get theirs. And karma really, I guess it was an impatience of karma for me. Mm -hmm. for the fact that I wanted them to get justice now and then just started writing, coming up with the ideas about it. Hearing like, you know, what if that person, you know, got judged now instead of 40 years from now? Because there are bad people out there that are able to you know, survive another 30, 40 years after they did do wrong. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, so um, I basically just, you know, created a story to actually, I guess, in my world, how it would end, how it would mm -hmm. go. So and um, I created this, my writing, I've always been like, enjoyed writing, you know, short stories here and there as a kid growing up, just, I guess, my um, ambitious side just started coming out of me here and there. And uh, I just, you know, I never actually put it down here. You know, I've written short stories, poetry, this, that, you know, I've never written music or anything like that, but the storylines itself. So, and uh, <clears throat> finally I was able to send it up to Alpha Publisher and they uh, worked with me and I got, I got my first book published. Here's my, I got to actually finish, just finished writing a children's book. Oh. So it's uh, it's entitled Princess Jeslyn and Her Dragon. Ah, can you tell us a little bit about that? It uh, <clears throat> it actually started off as a kind of a you know a joke kind of way. When I was a friend of mine, she was uh, having trouble sleeping, and I was as jokingly I told her, "Hey, let me, let me read you a story," because you know she's an adult, so treating mm -hmm. like a kid is a joke. But and she's like, "Okay," I'm like, "Oh," so I actually had to <laughs> you know pull come up with something I'm really quick, 
So um, I videoed uh, the very short rendition of it. <clears throat> and uh, that's how it was created. And I videoed it and sent it to her and she enjoyed it. And I'm like, okay, well, I went back over it and, and watched myself in the video. I'm like, I wonder if I can make a story out of this. So I basically just started the, you know, the creative juices started flowing again. And I created it. Mm -hmm. And it's about a uh, princess that was raised back in, you know, back in the day with her and the knights and dragons and all that time. And she goes out on the beach one day because her castle's on the end of the cliff on the, next to the ocean. And she's on one of her walks one day and she goes a little bit further then she usually does. She comes across this cave and she discovers there's a dragon inside and she wants to help him. And along the way, you know, the dragons are outlawed and the dragons are kind of afraid, you know, to come out. And she basically convinces him to trust in people again. And she promises, you know, it's a story about how for kids, if they understand it, to learn it, read it, to, you know, has some good lessons in there to follow, you know, everything else and hopefully they'll enjoy it yeah well bouncing off writing um we're gonna go into some warm-up questions before we get started with the actual like interview of unforgivable sins okay. it's really wonderful that you've been able to take your love from writing from when you were a kid and just turn it into sort of a, a career because a lot mm -hmm. of people don't don't like pursue that because they they don't feel like they're able to and it's it's just truly inspiring that you've been able to take that love and just pursue it in general it's mm -hmm. wonderful so what's a fact about you that nobody would guess what do you mean exactly you can link uh just like uh it's something that people wouldn't like like when somebody looks at you or knows you for a while just like first glance they would never guess that you would do that sort of thing or like uh, a hobby that you have that just seems kind of not not in your your general uh just the way that you come off um honestly probably my writing because I don't you know mm -hmm. beforehand I never really I, when I was a kid I stopped writing when I went into the service and then uh after what for so many years I just focused on the on the job and Mm -hmm. and everything else and I would never talk about writing stories or anything like that anything and um one of my best friends she basically she came across me and and when we started hanging out and she realized my uh I showed her what I was writing and she really enjoyed it kind of mm -hmm. so basically she I guess my writing would be one of the things and that um that she wouldn't have figured about me maybe you know she knew I was ambitious mm -hmm. to a point but not like that. And the creativeness, I guess, how they, I can just, a sentence or two of something and try to create a story out of it. Yeah. So, so I've always been like the uh, manual labor type job people, you know, I'm never not the business type or the indoor type. So I've always been outside doing everything and never the business type person and all this other stuff. And you know, I keep my skill, I guess, like that hidden away. So, because I want people to actually judge me for me, not what what they want to get people's first impression of me off the bat. And, you know, type thing. And let's try to see if I can weed out the, the toxic people from the good ones. Yeah, that's understandable. So, bouncing off of just you 
wanting to be yourself. I know that a lot of people generally gain that from uh, seeing a role model do that. So who is your role model as a kid and why? Um, I guess, honestly, I would have to say between it was toss up between my, my dad and my grandfather. My dad wasn't really there a whole lot because of his job, but he really wanted to be there. But he did his best when he was there. And he basically showed me the military side where I've always wanted to go into the military because, you know, he was there force, but I joined the army and, and everything else. And my grandfather, because his father basically taught me the, the hard labor skills portion of it, the tough love. You know, he was my type of person where he basically, he may not agree with me, but he will support me if it wasn't, you know, something to my health or legal issues involvement, you know, as long as legal and as long as it would nature my health, he was perfect he wanted to support it. So they both basically were that way, where they support me, whether I like they like to or not. Mm-hmm. And I've always been like that. Well, that's really nice to have somebody there to support you, even if they don't necessarily agree with you. I think that's a that's a really positive attribute that the people can have where they're they're able to be supportive. Um, did you always want to go into the army or did you have something else that when you were growing up, when you were little, that you just really felt compelled to do? Like some people thought about being astronauts or like they'll, they'll ask you in kindergarten, what, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you say some, some thing like uh, the common thing, like, oh, I want to be a doctor or I want to be a ballerina, stuff like that. <laughs> did you have anything? <laughs> um, well, not, not a ballerina, no. Um, <laughs> but, um, basically it was mostly, I mean, I've always been the, like, you know, work for a living type job where <clears throat> I'm out there <clears throat> involving with things with my hands. Cause I like to do woodworking as well and build things. Mm-hmm. And I'm not one of those guys can fix anything, but I'm one of those guys that likes to actually, you know, create things with my hands. And I figured they, you know, and I've always, since I was a kid, always wanted to go into the military and I see the lifestyle and the jobs can bring and everything else. I wanted to, it's a good way to actually see the world at the time. Mm-hmm. And it happened. So basically what it was is the fact that the, he was, my father was, my grandfather was a Marine. He was, my dad was the Air Force. I joined the Army. Basically the first, I wanted to go in the Air Force, but mm-hmm. I've injured my knee when I was 20 years old. And I have a screw blow knee, and the recruiter of the Air Force recruiter said I'll be a liability at basic training. So they basically pushed me aside, and the Army guys, I'll get you in. He went through up and down, tough nails to basically give me a waiver to get in the Army, which I went 100%, 110% in. So that's why I joined the Army. And saw a lot of the, all of Europe on the military's dime, and seeing the Middle East a few times, and seeing what got to live in a lot of places that. People would spend thousands and thousands of dollars to spend a weekend at. I got to live, you know, live there for real cheap. So basically it helped, you know, open my mind and see, meet a lot of different people in the world, how they are on both sides of the ocean. Mm-hmm. So I won't, really uh, I don't like assume this. I like to be assuming how people are in this world. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're Muslims, they're evil because of the wars. But no, not all Muslims are bad. Mm-hmm. So just certain pet types, you know, people themselves. So basically me going there, military, I wanted to, you know, there was a kid to help me develop a optimistic 
Italian values about people. Mm -hmm. I like to, most of the time, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt before I pass judgment myself. Um, mm -hmm. So it's been a, like a life lesson over and over again. Yeah. So I think we're going to uh, segue into speaking about your, your book, Unforgivable Sins. Mm -hmm. So you already kind of talked about your, your ideas in general. Um, what was your writing process like though? Um, it would, it would go a lot back and forth. I had to do a lot of correcting on the book. You know, it would, <laughs> my book would go in my book went in two, three different directions at one point, mm -hmm. how the plot would go and then how the ending would come out. And I would go there and I'd get, I would get opinions from different people. Like how would it sound, you know, like they wouldn't tell me what to write, but that basically they say, well, you know, what they, they would bring up big, you know, things that my, basically my creatives out of me. If I get like a writer's block, I don't know where to go from here. They wouldn't tell me what to write. I said, but they would say, you know, well, the character's doing this and that. What else do you think should, you know, you know, Henry from the, the book is, you know, he wants to, you know, he doesn't like what he's doing, but yet at the same time, he's doing it anyway. So how do you, how are you going to work with that? I'm like, okay. And then sometimes it would like bring the, my own personal story of my own life where when we were downrange in Iraq and Afghanistan, where we were presented with tough decisions to make on how to treat people and how to treat this. And even though we, our inner urges would want to hurt the person because they're a bad guy and they've done bad things to innocent people, we'd have to actually set them aside to help them for a specific mm -hmm. reason. Even though we, like I said, we agree with it or not, we still had to set our own personal feelings aside to help somebody else in the long run that, you know, this person was trying to hurt. For example, like in the book, Henry didn't like what he was doing, but at the same time, he knew something was telling him that if he didn't help um, Caleb do what she was doing, she may get hurt from where <laughs> she was sent from. And he basically, he was starting to, uh, you know, have, be attracted to her and everything about her. And he just wanted to help her as much as he could, even though he didn't like hurting people, even though he wasn't the actual one doing one hurting them, but he was involved in. He was he'd bring the evilness out of them to show the world, he showed the evilness where they can be sent to hell. You kind of talked about this before where you would set it down for a little bit and then you'd come back to it. Did you have a set schedule that you would you would use it uh, to try and keep yourself on track with certain things or did you kind of bounce around? I didn't have a set schedule. Like at three o'clock, I would do writing. Three to five, do writing. No, I didn't do that because honestly, when it comes to creativeness on writing, it can hit you at three o'clock in the morning. You wake up, you have a dream about your, your book. You can wake up and just, if you wake up, write it down what you, what you dreamed about. So don't have a set schedule. Unless you have actually working 20 or, you know, 14 hours a day, you may have to be forced to have somewhat of a schedule. But even if you're there at work, you can still write it down on a napkin, something, something like that. You're right. You're thinking about put it in your pocket. So when you do go back to writing, you have everything there. Keep notes of everything you've been written writing and it'll help come you know piece them together on stuff even like i said even it's a sentence or a paragraph or even a whole chapter of something mm -hmm. you know keep it there and 
just piece it together and you're going to get frustrated. You're going to get so frustrated, but if it's something you love to do, then honestly, it'll come out. So does it energize or exhaust you when you, whenever you write or does it do both? It can energize you where you're excited about something you've been thinking about. You can, it's coming to you. And afterwards you've been noticing you've been writing for an hour or two and you're sitting there like your brain's just sitting there, like you get a headache from staring at the screen for three hours and I'm like, okay, I need a break. You know, get up and go get something to drink or eat or go take a nap or something. I don't know. But yeah, you can does, it does both. It did, it, for me, it was both. Energized me where I looked forward when I got home, I got this and type it down. And then after writing for so long, I just like, my mind's like, okay, brain freeze. So <laughs> I have to go lay down. So but yeah. But don't do it. Don't write when you're like, you know, had. 25 sodas, you know, and your brain's like, you know, because you just track <laughs> down everything that's not going to make sense at all. Mm-hmm. Just relax your mind when you start writing this, it'll come out easily. So if there's one thing that you could change about your own book, what would it be and why? Probably the ending. Um, how, not how what happens to Henry, but how afterwards, the meaning is, you know, is the same, but it's basically changing the wording where it just basically sounds better, I guess. Because mm-hmm. everybody wants that epic ending, you know, where mm-hmm. you know you see that movie or read that book, you're just like, wow, you know, that's what I'll, I'll maybe I'll spruce it up a little bit more. I wouldn't change the ending, but I would actually spruce it more where it just has more of an impact. Like mm-hmm. leaves you thinking about how, you know, this was a real story. Mm-hmm. I think how it would come out and turn out. That's and that's yeah, because my book, I didn't want it too cliche. Mm-hmm. You know, where people can guess what's gonna happen and guess right what's gonna happen next. I wanted to actually yeah. basically, oh, like I didn't expect that to happen. Type thing. Mm-hmm. That's what I was but yeah, the ending would probably be just how I worded it more more of an impact. Yeah. Are you thinking about adding another book to your series, or um, was this last one the start of just a series in general, or is it ending where it is? Um, I was asked that by when I when I first finished the manuscript, and I was talking to a different publisher about the book, and she asked me the same question, and I thought about it. I told her I said I don't think so right now, and I thought about it and there's another storyline I'm writing down and uh, where I can maybe think about adding Kayla's uh, character into it. And it's a modern day because the story <laughs> original sin, uh, unforgettable sins takes place in the early 1950s. This one where I can bring her character back as doing good to help a uh, character in this next one. Not basically, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it'd be like a part two, but I guess if the way you call it, I don't know what they, what they do about, they call it when another character, you know, jumps into another story, same character jumps into another storyline, but that's really part two, but, uh, you know, type thing. Because I don't want, like I said, I don't want to make a series out of them because that's what a lot of people, writers do. They make one, well, like, yeah, we don't know if it's good or not, but, you know, I'm just trying to be different 
my own uniqueness. So going off of the uniqueness, what puts your mark on your book like, or your book series that would make it yours specifically so people could, other than your, like, your, your name on it, obviously, would be, people could point to it and be like, oh, I know whose writing style that is. No, I mean, I had never really thought about that. By doing that type of thing, I'm just, you know, it's, um, I mean, I probably could come up with something, you know, and think about it. But I mean, at this point, like, no, I mean, originally, no, I'm not trying to be like, you know, have my own, like, uh, the way uh, the style of, the, of this, like, if I put deep to it, because uh, this one's about a, uh, a old, uh, woman that she's a shaman i guess a medicine woman in the old days mm -hmm. retired doctor type you know mental counselor and she basically is in a house that she's her family's been passed down to her for generations back from the civil war and mm -hmm. it's a there's a rocking chair in there that her great 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 grandfather basically uh uh passed down to the family and once the clients come in and sit down, patients come down and sit down, it basically it draws the fear, all of their fear out of their body and it turns it on them. And they have to face the fear where, and they cannot get out of the chair until they face their fear and deal with it. That's interesting. I like to basically, I guess my own writings, if you read it, I'm, if you taste the question, if you, if you read what it says, you would know that, oh, that's what sounds like one of, you know, premises, but where I like to do <laughs> the very off the wall type of subjects. Yeah. So basically, like, for example, like the one I just told you about, the you know, it's called, this one's going to be called, so far, it's gonna be, I think I'm going to title the rocking chair, you know, <laughs> and, or the rocker. And I like to basically put down what everybody thinks about, but never actually has really either the guts to say out loud because of the way the world is right now and the whole the politically correctness of it. Yeah. And, you know, I like to, my mind, like, just is constantly running on different storylines, you know, and different, you know, characters and different subjects. So, you know, and, you know, I just basically, I was sitting in a rocking chair that one day when I tried, came up with the, with the idea of this book. And I was just rocking back and forth, just thinking like, you know, this, you know, everybody refers to a chair as rocking chairs for an old person. And, you know, everybody's free, you know, I'm like, oh, and everybody's afraid to get old, you know? So, you know, and just basically what else other fears can it make you think about while you're rocking it? And that's, it went from there. Because okay, this chair is pulling all my fears out of my head. All the area people that can be pulled people's fears out of themselves and, expose it to them and make them face it and mm -hmm. deal with it now instead of, and where they can have a better life as they go after they face, finish it. Instead of everybody wondering, worried about what, you know, what will life bring us? You know, you know, you, people mm -hmm. sitting around worrying like, Oh, I'm like, where am I going to be in 10 years? I'm going to be alive. I'm going to be okay financially. Am I going to be okay with somebody that are dead? You know, and there's all those fears out of them. You face them there and deal with them there. And that way you can basically just be able to relax for the rest of your life, however long it is. Yeah, that's a right. really cool concept. So my signature would probably be the oddball subjects. And 
of storylines, I guess. <laughs> well, um, going off of like the oddball subjects and plots and stuff like that, do plots or the do the characters come to you first? Mm, for more so with, with Unforgettable Sins, it was a, a character because I was tired of seeing the people itself. Even mm-hmm. the bad people get away with everything. And so the it would be the character first in that one. The plot line with um Princess Jeslin and her dragon was it was plot because you know I wanted to take, like I didn't want to write a cliche trilogy's book. And I just wanted to say, you know, okay, what can I, you know, how can I change it would be different than what's written out there already? There's millions and children's of books out there. What can mm-hmm. it be different to basically uh, start, you know, exercising a child's mind. So that's mm-hmm. when the plot for that one came out. This one would be the rocking chair would be, would be the, mm, the plot on that with the whole rocking mm-hmm. pulling out the fears of somebody is, you know, the characters, characters to me usually come in easy or the opposite will come in easy after the, either the plot comes first, the characters will come easy after that or the characters from the plot will come in after that pretty quick pretty easy so but yeah so do you base your characters off of i know that you said something about the main character of unforgivable sins kind of going through your also your experiences also but do you base any of the other characters off of people that you know nobody no 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 characters in my books are actually real people Mm -hmm. i'm known or seen in this world i mean i've met in my life it's just the fact that these characters like that Right. For example, in Unforgivable Sins is, you know, where he's a good kid, you know, he acts up here and there. And uh, then the research, I did research on it on the past because my father grew up on a farm. My grandparents had a farm. <laughs> so I had personal knowledge of what farming life was like. So um, his character was a good, you know, a kid just, you know, basically just trying to fit in. School, which was me growing up. I was trying to fit in, you know, just basically just keep your head down, but you know, try to make an impact on myself. And that was the only person, like say, he wasn't he wasn't me, you know, in every characteristic of him. But he had a few of my traits, and uh, but the rest of the characters were just basically how can you know made up in my head, like as a as I was writing the storyline itself. How can I fit a character into this section? Okay, mm-hmm. talk about, for example, the deputy sheriff in this book. You know, he comes off as a kind of a kind of a jerk, you know, in a, a storyline, mm-hmm. and kind of he, try, he tries, he thinks he's big and bad because he wears a badge, and mm-hmm. he has kind of a, in a way, he's a little bit of cliche, but. He's really got personal issues because of that reason. And that's what forces him to mm-hmm. be that way. And uh, and he does something evil in, the, in his past that Henry brings out to the world that nobody knew about. Hence, all the characters that he brings out. And um, he just basically, so that character there was, you know, I have to fit, basically, he was fit in because he was, I got to throw it in there to basically spice it up a little bit and keep it going. And all that stuff, and make it want the reader, reader to make sure, like, okay, what kind of else characters are going to be in it? You know, is it going to be 
more bad guys and good guys type thing, you know, type thing. But I just went, you know, to keep level it out. I didn't want to mm-hmm. bombard everybody with all these bad people and, and where Henry's like, okay, he got this guy for doing this, this one for that, this one for that. Okay, what's next, next, next? I don't want to drag it along. So I basically just try to keep it where it's pretty big sins they committed. And kind of like when you read it, like, oh, that's messed up, you know? Yeah. So that's what the characters, they just kind of flow. I put, I put them in there where I feel they should be in there. Not too many, but not too little. Yeah. So it's really interesting how you're you're talking about the process of creating these these characters, but what was the most difficult part overall of your artistic process? Other than like, I know that you also talked about the diverging into the different stories, but was there anything else that caused you to struggle with writing? Um, when I wrote, um, the book I'm writing, I have two books that I'm here I'm working on right here back and forth is one is the rocking chair one. And there's another one called and hell will follow it's about a soldier in, in iraq comes back and dealing with a lot of bunch stuff like that basically he accidentally shoots a kid downrange a local kid and his ghost follow the kid's kid's ghost follows him back and enters the bodies mm-hmm. of his fr- family and friends to try to seek revenge and the guy's got to go around figure out the soldier got to figure out how to get rid of the ghost without killing his friends or family and trying to convince everybody he's not nuts crazy he doesn't have PTSD. <laughs> and a lot of that storyline kind of hits a little bit home because I've heard, you know, 11 years I've deployed four times. And I've seen friends of mine that have mentally lost it <laughs> over the years of needing deployment and all the things they were exposed to and everything else. I myself have been exposed, been diagnosed with PTSD. Of the <laughs> things I've seen we, we did over there, it was, you know, bad stuff. But and that's it was when writing it down i you know i had a when i was writing i had to take a break on that book for a little bit because it was causing more nightmares for me because it was bringing out you know when i was writing how the storyline was going it was like i guess reminding me mm-hmm. how things when i went to my relax when i go to sleep at night and relax my brain it would like actually have the nightmares where the whatever happened i saw I would see what happened down the range. They they go happen down range, but it would like the total opposite, or it would mm-hmm. like enhance it somehow to work it more more scary to myself. So I had to take a break on that book a little bit, right? I'm not gonna back off from it. I'm gonna actually still continue with it, just you know, little by little here and there, and jotting notes down, and then place it down together. What do you like to do when you're not writing? When I get the opportunity to, I like to, uh, you know, uh, build things with wood and stuff like that, you know, and everything else. Nothing. I'm not, you know, I'm no master craftsman, but um, I build like trunks and small boxes and stuff like that, and things that for people. And um, I like to basically creative and with that kind of thing. And just uh, I also um, again gotten back into the whole workout program thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife and I were, were basically uh, working out together again. And she she works from home, and I'm I can't work by um, VA um, 100% disability. So 
so I just basically just doing other things here to keep myself busy with the woodworking. And then we're about to actually, you know, buy a house. So we're preparing for that type thing. And just, you know, just basically taking care of the family and all that kind of stuff. However I can help, I just keep myself busy. And, and you know, sometimes I'll, you know, write a few notes here and there about uh, possible future books. Necessarily writing the storyline, but just ideas down. What words would describe you best? Which three words specifically? Um, loyal, um, integrity, and mm, my personality. I guess I don't know, but my personality is really out there. Like I can be the biggest kid or the most, you know, in the room or I can be the most, you know, mature adult, depending on yeah. the mood or who is around me. Because, I mean, I like to have fun, but I know when to be adult, you know, and mm -hmm. a majority of my 90% of the time I'm a big goofball. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, those, those three things about me. If you had to create a slogan for your life, what would it be? Mm. something about I don't know if I created but something my grandfather has always taught us is a slogan that we he told us as when I was a child that I still remember to this day is the distance from impossible to possible is but a measure of man's will it's not a slogan but it's a, just kind of a quote mm -hmm. and I was like six seven years old and when he told us that and we, we had to repeat it to him so many times that he just burned in my brain but yeah that was the only one that stands out the most on that one mm -hmm. but yeah well if you could invite three people to dinner living dead fictional or real who would they be and why one person would be Abraham Lincoln, and why him? Because he saw he would say he saw he basically saw everybody's equal, of course, and he regard his his perseverance was and it was unbelievable because he was turned down so many times for several different things, office wise. Everybody in the whole world can be totally against him on a decision, but he when he stuck to it. He said, I don't care what the rest of the world says. This is how I feel. Whether he's going to lose, cost him to lose an election or could lose something. He's like, I'll take a risk. He knew he was going to lose, but he still would stick by it. Mm -hmm. um, that's one. The second one would be um, I would say um My grandfather would be one of them, and he mm -hmm. he died 2014, and he basically was able to give you that look, like I'm screwing up or I'm doing good, mm -hmm. and he would basically tell you know he'd be able to basically I can if I'm any questions any type of problems I'd talk to him and he would tell me what he feels honestly and he'd know me he would be able to look through me to see 
what I'm really getting at. <laughs> and he'd be able to basically make me better. And um, the well, I've never been asked that question before, <laughs> other than this fame, like you know, famous people or whatever to sit with. Um, I don't know too much about this person, but from what I do know, I guess uh, Socrates. Oh, no. Because he was basically, he saw the world before the world became itself. He envisioned <laughs> how the world could be both ways, good and bad. And he tried to <laughs> teach that. And whether people listen or not, he basically could see that. And, and this was before the world was actually, I mean, there was people in the world, but before all the whole, any type of technology came up and any type of, you know, any type of, there were still killings and there were still, you know, drama in the world, but he saw both, how he tried to teach both ways, not just one way, how, you know, there's a teacher teaching and there's certain, you know, this subject a certain way. And then he was a teacher that actually taught it both ways for people to choose from. How do you feel, <laughs> which way, which world you fit better in? And that, and you choose one and you live that in that world and you make it the best you can. Yeah. It's really interesting. Well, um, if you could read one book over and over and over again for the rest of your life, what would it be? Unforgettable Sins. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> actually, believe it or not, I have never read a book from cover to cover other than my own. Yeah, I've never been a big reader, but I've always been a big writer, if that makes sense. Um, I don't, honestly, I would do a history book because the fact that you, I've always, I'm always a big history buff when it comes to U.S. history and some world history, but I like history the most because you learn from it and you can actually change it. Even though it's history, you can't go back in time right now anyway, you can still go back in your mind and try to figure out. Okay, for example, if we, if JFK was never shot, killed, how would the world be different from then on? I mean, a lot of people don't realize is he, him and his brother saved us from annihilation of the Russians and Cubans from nuclear war. <laughs> and it all came down to a conversation. That's what it came down to. A lot of people don't realize that. If they, you know, if they, he was never assassinated, how would he change? How would it have changed our nation's outlook on everything as it is you know whether yeah. you're good or bad you know there's a tv show called time timeless and it was on for two seasons and they would go back in time but they do their very very best not to change a thing because how mm -hmm. he has the biggest outreach in the world having changed like where episode where it shows where this one she went back in time and you know, try to change something. She did nothing to change her as far as she could tell. Everything still fell in place. When she got back, her sister was never existed. That's how okay. it changed. The littlest things and ripples in, in history can change the world in like a hundred times fold. And so history would be the fact that I go back and if I try to examine it and, you know, get the facts about things, okay, if he wasn't shot, this would happen, this would happen, this would happen. 
This would have been with the Vietnam War take place. Well, I'd be born because my dad was in Vietnam when, you know, the littlest things can trigger the biggest things type thing. <laughs> and if something, littlest thing didn't happen, what would have happened? You know, if in that case, that did happen. You know, that, so it just makes it really, I like to go back and like examine and, and investigate those type of things. So that was kind of book I would do is a history uh, fact book. Uh, a nonfiction book of history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a show that I used to watch when I was a lot younger that was that kind of sounds like the show that you were talking about where it was three kids and they would they would go back in time and they would explore what what that time was like. One of the most uh, prevalent episodes I remember was they went back to the time of the Vikings and mm-hmm. they were talking about how their hygiene was a lot better than people are taught in school and stuff like that because they were very... They were very much about, oh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to keep as many hygiene products as I can all on my belt, especially combs. Combs were like their, their prized possession and they had all these carvings and stuff involved with them. And it's just, yeah, it's really interesting to think about how even like the smallest thing with the the butterfly effect could change so much. So that's, that's really an amazing choice. So yeah. Um. Bouncing off of, if you could choose one thing, if you could choose one food to eat for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, um, I've been asked that question a few times when it's been tossed up. It was like at first a toss between hamburgers and pizza, mm-hmm. but I, I chose hamburgers overall because there is so many different ways you can build a burger and it's still protein and good for you and it's still good. I mean, you know, you can have different, different several different ways and, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, you know, it's something I've always just really been hooked on. Like, I know like you go to different restaurants and go to Italian restaurant. They got burgers here? No, no. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, I guess I'll get pasta then or something. But, you know, but yeah, I guess hamburgers would be the one thing I have to choose for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So. If you could instantly learn any skill, what would it be? The skill of patience. Oh, I mean, I have patience to a point. I mean, I like you know, I'm pretty patient, but the skill that to have nothing but patience, no matter what situation you're in, because mm-hmm. if, if I had that skill just 100% patent down, you know, then honestly, I think I'd be better for myself as well as the rest of the world whatever I mm-hmm. encounter with because if everybody did because drastic no dirty doing drastic decisions there would be no no they would be you know prevent so many fights so much drama in the world yeah I mean I I understand there's gonna be drama regardless but you know and some drama some bad drama's gotta be is needed it's needed because it can't be like you know kittens and rainbows every day but yeah. um but yeah if i had the skill of patience to learn like that 100 percent, then honestly it i'd be a lot better for myself as well as writing <laughs> and um because writing takes a lot of patience yeah. and um as well as myself and the people around me I'm, I'm involved with my life <laughs> so well um, speaking of kittens, if you were an animal, 
What would you choose to be and why? I would probably be a, a grizzly bear. And oh. the fact that um, I love the wilderness and mm -hmm. I love the fact that I, I studied grizzly bears and they basically, they they live on their own terms. Yeah, some are vicious, some are not. And, but they basically, they, they hunt when they need to, only when they need to. And they're, uh, they're standoffish at point, to a point. And they just basically have their whole, they have like a free life by themselves. Just, you know, I live out here in the woods and I'm going to, you know, wander here, wander there. I'm big enough to protect myself still. And um, granted, you know, bears are hunted still, but I mean, it doesn't matter because we're all hunted by something in this world. Yeah. Just because someone's pointing a rifle at us doesn't mean we're not being hunted. Whether by time, by sickness, by, you know, anything, we're always being hunted every day. So, but, and then, but a, a grizzly bear, like a, would be free reign just you know people saying off a shut about them that are like okay there's a bear's fascinated to watch and look at but at the same time don't want to mess with it don't want to make them mad too much so but yeah that's off the top of my head i would say that there are now 25 hours in the day how do you spend the extra hour um it's gonna sound kind of cheesy but making sure that my wife's taken care of the next hour because i know she's working <laughs> she works eight hours a day online and she's constantly on the go and she takes care of me as well but i don't sometimes i don't feel that i don't take care of her enough you know mm -hmm. so basically spending the rest of my other extra hour <clears throat> doing something extra for her to make her you know her day go by better because she's stressed out so much from work Mm -hmm. Well, that's really sweet. So we're going to hop on to uh, quick fire, which is don't think, just answer. So um, deep sea or outer space? Outer space. Spring, summer, fall, or winter? Fall. Salty or sweet? Sweet. Day or night? Night. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. Coca-Cola or Pepsi? Coca-Cola. Hamburgers or pizza? Ah, um, hmm, hamburgers. <laughs> Fruits or vegetables? Fruits. Gold or silver? Silver. Ketchup or mustard? Mustard. Sandals or sneakers? Sandals. Milky Way or Snickers? Snickers. All right. Thank you so much for your time today. This was a really wonderful and in-depth interview. I really appreciate the time that you've taken to sit down and share your perspective on this. Well, thank you for having me. Hi, thank you so much for supporting our show by watching Author Audit. If you're interested in supporting today's author, check out the author merchandise and their book. The links to the both of those will be on the screen and in the description below. You can find Author Audit's show merchandise, our sibling channels, the link to our podcast, and Alpha Book Publishers' website all there too. 
looking to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at author underscore audit, on Facebook at author audit, and on Twitter at author underscore audit. You can check there for updates, for behind the scenes, and weekly tips from our authors. The links to those pages will also be in the description. Uh, make sure to subscribe and like. Feel free to comment any questions you may have. If you are looking for a serious inquiry or you are hoping to get on the show because you are personally an author, uh, feel free to DM the social media accounts and we will get back to you. Thank you! Mm -hmm.